Resilience is the ability to expand your body's ability to be with the present moment versus having to go more to fight or flight. And because you can withstand it, you call that resilience. Like that's, mm -hmm. there's, there's a high cost to living in that state. Hey everyone, it's Amy Lynn Durham and you're listening to Create Magic at Work. Create Magic at Work is on a mission to equip senior leaders with tools they need to be a true quantum leader and actually understand what that means. Improve employee engagement, retain top talent, and transform your workplace culture to have less drama and stress. So let's start making magic. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Create Magic at Work. I am so thrilled to bring you this special guest today. Her name is Sharini Gobriel, and we actually met, I don't know if it's been a year yet, it's almost been a year, yeah. uh, up in the Bay Area at a UC Berkeley coaching event. She's a fellow uh, Berkeley certified executive coach, and we started talking, and we really hit it off. And the things that she was saying, I was like, oh my gosh, you have to come be a guest on the podcast for all the Create Magic at Work listeners, because Sharini was talking about the mind-body connection, how to heal burnout in the workplace through somatic experiencing trauma therapy. And so she is actually incorporating somatic experiencing trauma therapy into her executive coaching for leaders in the workplace. And this is kind of a treat because she's here on the show today to share some of these tips with everyone that she would normally charge a client for in a private session, right? So we're going to give you some really practical things that maybe you can think about doing in your life to help you. But before we do that, Sharini, I would love for you to just share or add anything I missed in that quick intro. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I'm so happy to be here. This is so fun. I'm excited to connect in this way. So thank you. Can't wait for everyone to hear what you have to share. I was like, we need to record. Stop talking. No, I'm like, we got to hit the record button. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for being here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think the best way to maybe start this conversation is to personalize this a bit um, and give context to the listeners and, yep. and uh, everyone listening and about a little bit about my story and how I got here. Because I definitely was not raised connected to my body by any means. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I was conditioned growing up to live as a very high achiever. Achievement definitely was tied to worth in all those ways. Mm -hmm. And so, and also just survival, right? Growing up with immigrant parents and all that. So I followed all the rules I was given to have a successful life. Um, I graduated with my doctorate in pharmacy at 25. So I am a pharmacist and began working a dream pharmacy job. And all the while I was doing that, I created this conversation card company called Uncurated. And that was growing and being distributed all around the world because I wanted to just help people facilitate connection and deeper conversations. And, you know, I was tired, but in my mind, I'm contributing to the good in the world. So I'm thinking, okay, I just need more time management. I need all my productivity tools. I need more efforting. I need more mindset work. 
because really I was like, if I could just master my body to get this all done, you know, I can finally be as productive as I hope to be every day. So uh, without going into too much detail uh, for the sake of time, in 2018, I experienced what I thought would be a minor physical injury, right? This should take four to six weeks to properly heal. We're in, we're out. Sounds great, right? But for two years, I tried different modalities and the pain would, you know, desensitize in some ways, but then keep coming back. And so in 2020, right before the pandemic, I got a procedure. And this procedure uh, resulted in a massive chronic pain flare. And basically, instead of what the hope was to hit the brake on the pain, it hit the gas pedal. And so I had to get um, an emergency procedure literally before hospitals or these types of surgeries shut down to get this pain down a bit. And while I'm very grateful I was able to do that, it was still incredibly debilitating. And really, I felt like I was living in this hell, right? And this was like a rock bottom moment. And so, you know, because of the chronic pain and fatigue, I had you know, I moved back in with my mom because I didn't have energy to do all the things required to properly go to work and take care of myself and all the things. And I'm also navigating being in healthcare at the start of a pandemic. And, you know, my mom generously offered her support, like cooking for me, because that was just exhausting. And, you know, I'd have to like recover from like taking a shower. Like it's like I had no energy. You know, so while my mom offered that support, I just spent most of my days on our childhood porch where I would feel the sun on the back of my body, which gave me some relief. So while the world was shut down, you know, I pretty much lived on that porch for eight months as I went every week to treatment from different specialists. And it was on that porch, right, when I hit rock bottom, I learned. I learned lots of things and I would say three major things really come to mind. Mm -hmm. One thing that I learned was at the end of the day, I am the only one experiencing my life moment by moment, right? So this horrible, painful experience I'm having, no one can feel it the way that I do, right? As much as everyone wants to take away, take it away, people want me to heal, you know, they aren't living with the moment, moment experience. And so I realized that I will create a quality of life as I heal that I want to experience moment by moment, that living my life optimizing productivity mm-hmm. was costing me a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the second thing is because I could do nothing else but sit on my porch, you know, it was springtime. So I'm looking, you know, my childhood home like faces a lot of trees and it's really beautiful. So for the first time in my life, I was forced to be present because I literally had to hit the brakes and I had never, you know, to use a car metaphor, lived in park for that extended period of time. I was very Mm -hmm. used to living with my feet fully pressed on the gas, right? But stopping for such a sustained period of time gave me space to daydream, to delight in the world around me. 
you know, have unstructured time for play and creativity and just really get clear about what mattered to me. And because I was more in the present, I could connect to this deeper joy I was able to access that gave me relief for the pain that I was navigating in my body, right? And I realized that there was an opportunity cost that I was paying to live that fast, that Mm -hmm. accelerated, that on drive all the time. Yeah. And so I knew to myself that I'm going to create a life where these daily moments can exist. And I have to redefine success by the quality of my life. Mm-hmm. Because quite frankly, I realized, oh my goodness, I missed my life. I was moving so fast through life that I almost missed it. Right. And then the third thing, and the final thing that I can share here at this moment is, you know, we hear the phrase, the body keeps score. Yeah. Right. But if you're not paying attention to the early warning signs, it does keep score, but it can take time for the volcano to erupt. Right. And sadly, I know a lot of leaders, including myself, have really had to hit rock bottom in order to really stop the productivity machine Mm -hmm. and take a deep look at our life. So so, yeah, yeah. yeah. no, I just, yes. So everything you're saying, one thing that was coming up for me is we do come from this world of hyper achievement. And I think you're really speaking to the shadow side of achieving when you go into overdoing it. And it's interesting that we're, that we're talking about this this week because I was just having, a, I've had conversations in the past with clients. How do we balance doing and being? And how do we hold those two things in the same space? And so for people listening that feel like I have to produce to, and that's where my worth is valued, or this is how my pay is valued. I mean, I came from, you know, my, my old job, my old life was hitting sales quotas. I mean, every month it was a new game, right? And you had to go for it and you had to hit your numbers and you had to figure it out. So yeah, we're, we've got the gas, gas pedal down in those scenarios, right? So question, if I'm listening to this and I'm like, okay, Amy and Sharini, like you, that's great. You're coaches now. (laughs) Maybe you can, you know, practice not putting the gas pedal down all the way, which entrepreneurship, not so much. You got to remind yourself, what would you say to someone are the early warning signs that they can look for? Because you're talking about the body keeps the score. I've heard, we've, we've heard leaders ourselves say this. If you don't hear when your body whispers, it's going to scream that Mm -hmm. type of quote. So what are some signs to look for before I scream? What are the whispers? Yeah, that's a great question. And I also want to speak to the fact that our society is not supporting this. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. in some ways, this is systemic. Yep. And it will, you know, hopefully require that level of change, but that 
the reason why this isn't, you know, we're all coming into it in different ways is because our society does not support this way of living. And it supports quite the opposite, right? So I just want to acknowledge the 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 air we're breathing and steeped in. Yes, yes, the, right? con- the energy consciousness. And I think it goes back to what you said when you were sharing your person, your very personal story of what you went through. I'm the only one that's in charge of my body. Yes, people will come around and want me to heal and want to help me, but I'm the one living in this body and it's my responsibility. So yes, I think if we can hold those opposing things, right, the systems we work in, but maybe putting our hand up and saying, no, I'm going to focus on this first mm-hmm. because I hear a whisper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And to speak to that and the, the question you asked before, mm-hmm. you know, that the body also you know, we can be in like protective responses, like fight, flight, freeze, like your body can do that and does do that. And it's very helpful that it has the ability to do that. So it's not shutting off these responses as much as it's, where are you living? Right? Are you living in a protective response with stress? Are you experiencing a lot of burnout? right? Are you having a lot of difficulty sleeping? Are you able to come down when rest is offered? Are you like, well, I just don't know how to rest. I hear that from my clients a lot. Like, oh, I feel really stressed. It actually creates more stress when I slow down, right? I think all of these are warning signs that you might not know how to get off this road. Yeah, I love that. I love that because, okay, so I'm just, I'm thinking like, of even myself at times, or, you know, someone listening where they're like, I don't even know how to rest. I'm a go, go, go person. That actually, I just want to call that out again. That actually could be a whisper. Mm -hmm. We're meant to have balance. We're meant Mm -hmm. to, you know, so, so, oh my gosh, how do we learn how to rest? What would you say to someone that's in that mode? What would you say to a client that's like, I don't know how to rest? What would be one tip. (laughs) Yeah, I would say that first to normalize it, Mm. right? That there's nothing wrong with you. But rather that this strategy that got you up to this moment might not be serving you any longer. Mm. Because I think there can be a lot of shame around Mm -hmm. this, Mm -hmm. right? Oh my gosh, now I don't even know how to rest. Jeez, right? And I don't want to compile that shame that is already showing up in so many different ways, right? That Mm -hmm. it's normal. We are created in a society that creates the feedback for this to be part of our consciousness, right? Part of the consciousness of of the society we live in. And we get a lot of awards for this. And there's probably good reason, you know, from a lot of our history as just our personal history, why these survival tactics have helped us get up to this point, you know? So I think also just normalizing that is helpful because when we take away the shame, then we can look with curiosity. Love it. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a really calming feeling. Because I love how you're just calling that out. I was even doing it right now in this conversation. It was probably for myself. You know, I don't know how to rest. I have so much on my plate, like go, go, go. But then you're right. You kind of named the shame and the added stress of, well, now I'm stressed out that I don't know how to rest. (laughs) I want to take this to another place from this. When people are exploring, okay, what does it feel like for me to rest? What does rest look like for me physically? What does rest look like for me mentally? How do I give myself permission to rest? Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some, I I know it's unique to each individual, but I know a, a few months back, you and I had a conversation about how meditation is just kind of the the new prescription that I would just go meditate, just go meditate, just go meditate, 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 meditate. And I think that's just everyone's go-to answer now. And I'm not so sure that that's the cure-all for everyone or in the beginning, a cure-all. I know meditation has amazing benefits, but I don't know. I'm using prescription analogy because you're a doctor of pharmacy. (laughs) So what are your thoughts on that? Um, What are some things that people can do to give themselves permission to rest? What are some ideas? And is it always meditation? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, and yeah, like you said, meditation is a tool and it's not the tool for everyone. And it also, you know, there's, lots of nervous system tracking we can do with meditation Uh that, you know, some people end up doing a lot of dissociation during meditation, for example. Right. And so, and also to stop so suddenly to go from a nervous system that's so activated and then that stop that actually can be pretty almost like violent internally to speak to that. So it's Mm -hmm. very difficult to do that. For a lot of people. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's always, there's always so many benefits, but I don't believe meditation is the cure-all for every single person. I think it's a self-exploration of what works for me and let me try different things. If I'm just now exploring rest, if I've been mm-hmm. in a hyper-achieving mode, my body's whispering, or perhaps I've had a, a physical wake-up call in my life, like you have. And I want to, I would like you to expand on the part where you said meditation could be dissociative. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that for, for the listeners? Yeah, I mean, it's such a, it's such a big concept uh, that I will try my best to break down um, a little bit more in this moment. But when the body is in a freeze response, there is typically a dissociation that occurs where basically the present moment is so overwhelming that in ways we leave, right? And everyone does this all the time, right? So dissociation is also a spectrum and everyone dissociates at different periods of time throughout the day. It's not abnormal. I think people hear that word and and you know, think of 
dissociative disorder and, and all of this type of stuff. And I so, would imagine a lot of us are dissociating when we're scrolling through social media at some point, once we hit like five minutes in or something, or even yeah, shorter. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, totally... like checking out, checking exactly. out, right? You're just, yeah. Exactly. You're just checking out. And mm-hmm. again, that has an advantage in life use it consciously, right? Like, okay, like I'm going to check out because this feeling is overwhelming in this moment. In ways, I actually think it's very powerful to have conscious awareness around when you use the strategies, knowing Mm -hmm. that you're using strategy, right? But not living in dissociation. And for some people, meditation can have a dissociative element where it's a way of them checking out and kind of leaving, right? And I think it's very complex. Sure, sure. We're not going to solve that in 30 minutes, right? Yeah. Exactly. And it's so person specific. And I really, in so many ways, believe in the benefits of meditation. So I'm definitely not here to say anything against meditation. I'm just saying there's a lot of nuance that I think as a society we're exploring, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, I would say that. And then if we're at work... And something has put us into a fight, flight, or freeze mode, or maybe even just a bit of a shutdown mode. Maybe we're in in the middle of one of those. What is a way that we can put ourselves back into where we feel tapped in and into our inner wisdom and and, and inner higher, you know, our higher self in SQ, we call it our higher self. What are some somatic experience ways, like a easy, something, a micro one? Yeah, yeah. I think a really easy or like an easy to, you know, no one has to know you're doing it kind of thing, which I think is important. You know, Mm -hmm. everyone can go on the mat every time they experience a big activation. Exactly. Um, So you can do it during meetings, you know, no one really knows. It's, It's great in that way is, you know, really we, you know, orienting to the space around you, Mm. right? Some of us find it easier to orient inside of us, like, oh, what feels neutral inside of me? Oh, my feet, the bottom of my feet feel neutral, right? Mm. Because oftentimes with an activation that puts you in this fight, flight, freeze, that becomes almost tunnel visioned as the only thing happening. And the truth is in the present moment, that might not be the only thing happening, right? There's a lot of else happening in the body that actually can be neutral or pleasant, So I think that you can go within the body in that way, or even, you know, oftentimes I'll orient to the space around me. If the body doesn't feel accessible in that moment, Mm -hmm. I can orient to the space of let's look around, name things that are around me. Okay. I see a green tree. I see, you know, this white wall. I see, you know, naming things around us, maybe connecting with the sound, of yes. something, yeah. taste of something, right? Mm-hmm. To really ground you into the present helps keep the body online so it hasn't completely gone offline. I like the way you just said that, keeping the body online in in these moments and and tuning in to maybe just a sound. So I'm sitting here right now as we're talking and I can hear like this kind of background sound of my headphones and and I and I put my feet on the ground when you said that just so I'm I'm surrounded by four walls that are protecting me and I feel safe and I'm here because 
that's another way that that you move out. And that's why it's so great to remember this when you're in that in those moments and to just try it. Because no, like you said, nobody's going to notice if all of a sudden you put both your feet flat on the ground. No one's going to notice. And you also said something that I think is really important. You can't wait till later. I mean, you can, but you want to have a strategy for in that moment. You know, you're getting really flustered in a meeting maybe, and you're starting to feel these things. Okay. Feet on the floor, breath. And what's the farthest away sound I can hear? Mm -hmm. Nobody, you know, nobody can knows that you're doing that. Or Mm -hmm. I know in the positive intelligence space, they rub their fingertips together, right? Right. Just something, something like that. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I hope everyone listening can take that away. One thing I want to go back to, I feel like it's important we address is this, because we kind of went down the meditation road. And I do want to, like you said, we're not bashing meditation. And what I want to say you know, as someone who is very consistent with ritual, with guided meditation, I love to do rituals with the moon and different things like that as part of my spiritual practice. What I'm noticing in the community is one, it's being recommended to everybody as a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. And two, I love, 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 which is why I brought it up, how you pointed out the dissociative factor that it could be. So I think with everything in life, there's balance, there's light, there's shadow. And I would say from my experience, if meditation is causing you to check out from life, rather than elevate your life, that might be something to explore. I have seen deeply, deeply spiritual people possibly not able to handle the daily stresses of their life anymore. And they just want to meditate all the time. And to me, I'm like, we are practicing these skills and trying these tools because of the daily stresses of our life and because of the moments that we are in not to check out from them. Yeah. And that's what I really wanted to highlight for all of us, because I found myself in that same position, you know, feeling really peaceful by myself all the time. And then you go and you're in life. And like, I can't handle this. I got to go be by myself with all my spiritual tools. Well, you know, the people in your life are your spiritual practice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, Yeah, man, there's so much I want to speak to that. (laughs) Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I mean, I love that you named that, right? Because in so much, it's like, is your spiritual practice working for you, right? That's, that's a question I think that should evolve, an answer that should evolve, right? Love it. Mm -hmm. Is the spiritual practice, you know, really working for you if you can't exist in this life? doing that spiritual practice. Right. Mm, so, and so good, other, Shereni, Yeah. 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 That's something that I've been reminded of in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and also to titrate in, right. That's something that's so beautiful that somatics teaches us is that it's just 
titrating drop by drop and increasing a nervous system capacity to be with all of it, right? So I'm not saying let's throw ourselves in and just get super dysregulated. But, you know, if you just, you know, had more spirituality online or whatever it is, right? Like you should be able to handle all the dysregulation. Like it's complex. Society is incredibly dysregulating and dysregulated. And there's not a lot of resource for us to come back into regulation. And so there's a balance and almost a dance and a flow between, you know, whatever the spiritual practice is and titrating into your day-to-day life to not be overwhelmed by it right? Because it makes me think of the concept of embodied resilience, which is something that I love deeply, is that, you know, resilience in a lot of ways, how I heard it was more about like overriding your body to like get it done. And can you take it all, right? Can you almost push through, right? And what that really is, is asking people to live in a protective response, right? We have fight, flight, freeze, appease. We have, you know, lots there. But to live in that state and almost congratulate that someone can like live in that state for an extended period of time. Well, we know that when you live in that state, you are increasing anxiety, burnout. We know that, you know, overall low mood can happen, you know, depressive symptoms can occur, poor decision-making skills, inability to make decisions, like lots happens in these protective states, right? And so it's not, we don't want people to live there and then call that resilience, right? But rather, you know, what somatics is, it's about increasing a nervous system's capacity it has more resource, more fuel to be able to tolerate life, right? And that actually is the goal of the nervous system rewiring and somatics. And what I hope more leaders explore is it's actually about increasing your ability to stay connected to yourself and in the present and to live in with more curiosity, more regulation, more rest online, because you're not going offline quite as fast, Mm -hmm. right? And to me, that's actually resilience, is the ability to expand your body's ability to be with the present moment versus having to go more to fight or flight. And because you can withstand it, you call that resilience. Like that's, mm-hmm. there's, there's a high cost to living in that state. Yeah. And, and I think that is exactly what the call is in our conversation today is to redefine resilience in mm-hmm. these workplace systems. Mm-hmm. That's really the thread throughout this conversation is we have been given awards and acknowledgement for toxic resilience. Mm -hmm. And so it kept that machine going. And the interesting part about that is you just said our decision-making is poor when -hmm. we're in that state. Mm -hmm. So redefining resilience in the workplace 
is something that I think should be talked about. And I think this is a great starting point. And I'm really, really glad you touched on that. And oh, by the way, the win-wins are now you have elevated decision-making and people Mm -hmm. that feel rested and engaged. You know, the disengaged team member is a huge cost to companies, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So thank you for sharing that. I feel like this could be a two-part interview because we literally barely scratched the surface on this stuff. <laughs> so we might need to have you back and, and go through a, a part two. Yeah. Because I can't believe we're already worked. It's time what? for everyone to get a journal prompt card pull from uh, okay. a message from the universe for everyone listening. So I'm going to close my eyes and pull a card for you and I and everyone that ever listens to this episode. Let's see what we got. I'm so excited we got this. We got magic. Ooh. Yay. So the for everyone listening, the we got magic. And the affirmation is the words I speak create my world. Little law of attraction there. The words I speak create my world. So Sharini, maybe from your lens. What are some words or some parting in, inspirational words that you can share with everyone listening that might help them create more harmony in their life? Mm, what a good question. I'm going to just sitting with that. Mm-hmm. I think that I really want to highlight that why I love somatics also. And this is why I think it's really important to like to the extent if you feel that this is important to you to work with practitioners because they're trained in tracking what the body is saying. They're trained in how to create more capacity for more regulation or at least supporting your healing and your rewiring of your nervous system so that you can do this work because it's going to look so different for different people. And oftentimes the body is going to be communicating a story that is very different than the mind, right? Mm -hmm. So you need someone to catch that because otherwise you can end up creating a life that is out of alignment for you because your mind was running the story and just your mind, right? Oftentimes we hear people creating a life or a company or creating a goal that they thought was going to make them happy in the end. But had we tracked the story of the body, we might've pivoted a bit earlier, mm-hmm. right? Or if it is an alignment, that goal is in alignment and it feels really good to the body. Great. How do we create more capacity to reach this goal? How do we give the body more resource? Right. And so that's, you know, the gift of somatics, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I think the really the big overarching lesson that I've learned, and that I hope, you know, others can learn in their own life is it's important that we move at the pace of the nervous system. Right? I don't think that we are focused enough on the rewind, like the healing of a nervous system and rewiring, but it is important that we move at that pace and that we listen to our body's wisdom, right? Because our bodies are telling us the truth. Our minds can do a lot, mm-hmm. but the body tells us a lot more clearly the truth of what we really want, 
what we can handle based on the symptoms showing up Mm -hmm. and what nervous system support we need to move towards a goal. Right. So I think moving at the pace of our nervous systems and really getting into body intelligence is a very different way that we can move through life that gives you more access to your joy, your creativity, your aliveness, right? Because when we're living out of that, we're creating a lot of pain internally for ourselves and a lot of pain for those around us, Mm -hmm. right? Whether that's our teams, you know, we all know leaders that are leading from lots of undue stress and burnout and the impact it has on teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it ripples out for sure. Right. Yeah. If they can change that internal state, it changes the quality of the experience for the team member. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say that. Thank Mm. you. So I would add, because the we were saying, what can we speak to create Mm -hmm. harmony? But the it was what words can we speak? I love how you put it to where, well, wait a minute, what is your body speaking? Mm. I think that's a new question for everyone to think about. What is your body saying from this episode? And if we can get our body in alignment with our mind for our goals, Wow. What, isn't that a quantum leap? Isn't that manifesting? That's so, it. yeah, and I think, isn't I think that's a good life. note to end on. Yeah. Go add, add your final thoughts I was just going to say, yeah. and, and isn't that a good life, right? Feeling yeah. in integrity and in alignment with yourself and creating from that place and feeling your aliveness. I, I don't know what more we could ask of a gift to receive from life than our own aliveness, our own experience mm-hmm. of our aliveness. That is one of the most common asks I hear. And they're not really saying it in those words from clients is they want to feel more vitality. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes. So yeah. Thank you for sharing your wisdom today. And if anybody wants to connect with you and learn more about going through this somatic experience in their coaching, how can they connect with you? Yeah, I mean, very simply, my website, um, there's a contact form that they can fill out and we can hop on a discovery call and we can both decide if this is a good fit for both of us. It's important that, in my opinion, that we both have yeses to do this work together, you know, that I'm in Mm -hmm. service of their consciousness and that, We both need a yes to do that work. And so I'd love to, you know, for those interested, if you want to go to my website, it's www.sharinigobriel.com. So it's just my first name, last name.com and fill out a contact form and we can see, we can explore together. And I'd love to support, you know, people listening to the wisdom of their body and creating a life from that place. Yeah, thank you. And uh, just a reminder, always check the show notes. We always drop the links there and some other fun links for you to check out for the listeners. So thank you so much for being a guest on Create Magic at Work. And thank you for sending some magic to everyone today. Mm, Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. 
Hey everyone, Amy here. I am so excited to share this news with you. If you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, or even if you're new, you probably know that I weave spiritual intelligence through all of the episodes of Create Magic at Work. And we often talk about where you are at with making wise and compassionate decisions, what it looks like to be a wise and effective change agent. How do I put my ego aside and operate from my higher self? And if you've ever been curious as to what level you're sitting at in your life in those skills, I have some great news for you. I have loaded the SQ21 assessment on the Create Magic at Work website. This is something that only my private clients have access to in a coaching partnership with me. However, I have decided to give everyone access to the SQ21 assessment at a generous price, a small fee. You can take the assessment at createmagicatwork.net forward slash shop, and you will get a printout that you can take with you the rest of your life as to where you're sitting, what level you're sitting at, and the 21 skills of spiritual intelligence. This is an amazing opportunity. I encourage you to take advantage of it. Again, if you've ever been listening to all of the past episodes, like, hmm, I wonder where I sit at making wise and compassionate decisions, or I wonder where I sit at being able to access my higher self, explore that curiosity and go to the website and take the assessment. I will also have that link dropped in the show notes so it's easily accessible to you here after the episode. And again, if you have any questions or if you just want to have a chat with me, I'm always available for a complimentary 30-minute coffee chat so you can explore that as well. But get over to the website, take that assessment, and give yourself the gift of something that you can take with you for the rest of your life. Sending magic to you. I want to thank each and every one of you for coming back every week to listen to a new episode of Create Magic at Work and really helping to support and advocate for healthy leaders, workplaces, and lives for all of us. If you want any information on how to connect with me, click on the link in the show notes. You'll get access to all of the social media links for Create Magic at Work. Stay following along for more amazing episodes where we help you improve productivity and profitability in the workplace and decrease stress. Sending magic to everyone and see you next time.